I'm Hannah Joyce Hoven. I'm the producing director of the William Lynch Theater Festival, and it is our final day, and I'm feeling a little sad about it, but it's been so beautiful to have all of you here this week. Um, and I think that springs from the really generous feelings that I get from Octavio, who is such an open and lovely human and artist, and that infuses the entire festival with that beautiful soul. So thank you for being with us. My Yay. pleasure. Um, I want to thank the Independence Public Library for hosting this incredible event, uh, for setting up all these chairs, for, for giving us space to be in town. It's wonderful to be in town for this. Thank you to Annie Mays, who provided the coffee. <coughs> I know many of you have been over there this week, so keep going back. Use those names to request. And I want to thank the Dramatists Guild Foundation for bringing Liz Duffy Adams to us today so that she can facilitate this conversation. I'm going to welcome Allison Gold up to join us to talk a little bit about the Drama Skills Foundation. There's some seats up front here too. Yeah, we've got three here. Yeah, that's the front row. Yes. Thank you, Hannah. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Allison Gold. I'm the program coordinator at the Drama Skills Foundation. It has been such a pleasure to be here with you all these last few days. This is, uh, I can see that this is a really special festival and community and it's just been wonderful to have been welcomed into it and thank you all so much for having us. Um, I'm gonna talk just briefly a little bit about DGF. Uh, the Dramatist Guild Foundation is a national nonprofit organization that supports writers for the stage, musical theater writers and playwrights. We believe that writers have the ability to change the world with their words, and honestly, I think that I felt that more strongly than I have in a long time last night <coughs> at Kara's reading. Um, <laughs> Kara, our, aim, our aim in all of our programming is to put you in the position to create your best work. To that end, we offer a variety of educational and financial assistance programs. We offer free money if something crazy happens in your life, if you have to have a medical procedure or your laptop breaks down, we wanna get you back to writing. Those are our emergency grants. We offer a variety of other financial and educational programs. One of those educational programs is this, the Traveling Masters, where we partner with festivals, communities, schools, uh, theater organizations all over the country to bring writers out to do master classes, workshops, talkbacks, et cetera. If you'd like to learn more about DGF, I'd be happy to talk to any of you after this wonderful conversation. Um, you can also visit our website, dgf.org, grab a card from me, whatever, but I'd be happy to talk to any of you more, and thank you all for being here and for uh, welcoming us into your community. Thanks. Okay, hi. Hello. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Octavio, uh, Octavio and I met uh, many years ago in San Francisco and started chatting. And, uh, and then with long, sometimes long gaps, we meet again to chat because that's, we're chatters. Yeah, we're we mad chatters. We like to talk. Yeah, so we met for coffee this morning to start chatting and then we just kept saying, save it, save it. Save, yeah. <laughs> okay, I wanna say more, but I think no, Yeah, I yeah, no, I'm hold on to that. Hold on, hold Unleash on. it on the library. Um, <laughs> So, so we're very, ha very, very happy and proud to be here to chat with uh, um, this brilliant and lovely person and playwright. And uh, one thing we wanted to start, one thing I wanted to start with was the idea of place. 
um, uh, the influence yeah. of place. I think it's something that people don't always think about when they think about <coughs> playwriting, they think about character and story. But the importance and the influence and what a sense of place, of landscape, um, how that influences your work, how that's informed your work. Yeah, you want to well talk a little about that? Well, at first I thought that in order to be a playwright, I had to go to New York. But that's where I had to be because that's where it was happening. That's where uh, people were, were all, that's where all the plays were set. And, and at some point, I, I, I just felt that, that I had to go there. I lived in Dallas at the time, and I, and I came out of, the exper out of grad school thinking I was an actor. But once I started writing and, 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 and really felt like a playwright, I felt like that's where I needed to go. It was either West Coast or East Coast. Um, but, it, but, uh, but there was something about, about Dallas that, that, that I liked. There was a vibe that was happening there. Um, I, I started a poetry reading series that, I, that, that got me even deeper involved in my, in, in my plays. Uh, and, and that kind of rough and tumble atmosphere of Dallas living and working around these, these uh, garage theaters and, and punk rock sort of venues with, with roving gangs of, of, of uh, skinheads you know, walking menacingly around. It just it, it just created a very <laughs> dangerous and live environment that I felt like oh I have to I have to reflect that in the work so it started this, these, these these funky works started coming out that were all using uh, very heightened language and and, and very dark uh, um, situations and, uh, and 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 I was deeply affected by the space but I didn't really know it I was just writing I was just writing that that and then I I, I I found uh, the works of Sam Shepard and learned that he had worked a lot in San Francisco. You know, that, he, that he'd done a lot of work uh, in, at, at the Magic. Yes. So I said, I want to go to San Francisco <laughs> because I could feel the ceiling very quickly on in, 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 in Dallas. So I moved there and San Francisco was a very different vibe altogether, very different. I knew my audience in, in, in Dallas, very conservative, very white, uh, and, and very Christian, so I knew how to push their buttons. <laughs> they came to my place. So I knew I knew how to how to make them how to you know touch those sore spots that would make them go. <laughs> but in San Francisco, the audience is very different. It's very liberal, very you know generous in in in, 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 in their politics, and 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 they're all already predisposed to like what I'm going to do. So I felt like I was preaching to the converted there, and I said. Now I have to learn how to push their buttons. <laughs> so I, it was a very different sort of learning experience, and be, uh, be, because in many ways, what 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 I, I learned is that is that uh, they have that often the buttons that 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 I that I pushed I thought were very different, and they ended up being the same. Um, then only four or five years ago, I moved to Oregon, and in, and Southern Oregon to to the countryside. Uh, I, and it was ostensibly to be near the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, but it was also out of this need that my wife and I felt to uh, go back to the land. Uh, uh, our, our father's generation and, uh, and every generation before that had learned it, had, had lived in that, and I, we needed to reconnect. Uh, and in doing so, I reconnect, I, I connected, not reconnected, but I connected with the ag community there, and they have, very different concerns. They have a very different orientation to the to the world and to the environment. And uh, 
And, and different buttons. And very, very different <laughs> buttons. Uh, but also working in, in, that, in the countryside uh, without the noise, without the, you know, the babble of so many voices all around me, and hearing only the blue jays outside <laughs> just <laughs> screeching or, 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 or the, my, my goats buying <laughs> and, and the chickens pecking on the glass asking for worms uh, of my office. Uh, it, 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 it was that, that stillness um, certainly fed into the work I was doing and it started to change the work. And, uh, and I mean, don't you feel that too? Absolutely. Where, where, where do you work? Well, I'm one of those people that needs to have some, I, I mean, I work best in libraries, libraries, or <laughs> coffee shops where there are people around, and I put in the soft ear, ear plugs so it dampens the sound, but it doesn't I eliminate it. And, but, but when it comes to place, yeah, I mean, the influence, the sense of um, what the landscape is and yeah. how that affects, it's, you know how you know, architects, design spaces to affect how people experience, uh, what their experience is, that it affects how you feel yeah. and how you function, depending on yeah. how the space is designed, which is why architecture is so important. Um, but in the natural world, that exists too. Like yeah, you feel definitely. differently, right, in a forest than yeah. on, on a prairie or. Yeah, and, and, and I, I have, I'm very fortunate in that I have an office space that is separate from the house. Yeah. It's my own little studio and it's got a big wall of windows that look out onto these beautiful, beautiful hills, green hills, yeah. uh, with um, coniferous forests, yeah. and uh, it's it, it's starting to change my writing. So I'm writing more works that reflect uh, the environment, that re that reflect that countryside. Uh, more, I, I'm becoming more attuned to the works that are are now um, um, in, that are now responding to climate change because we live in an area that is directly affected by climate change. Yeah. We've had drought, uh, long, long periods, years of little rain uh, that have um, exacerbated the conditions for um, fire. And we've had some horrible fires in the last couple of years. A lot of them have made national news. Some of them have, been, uh, have, been, uh, have covered areas as, as, as large as the island of Manhattan, yeah. huge fires. And, uh, and I've been directly affected by them because there have been months, entire summers, where uh, the air is yellow and we're breathing that in. We're breathing that smoke constantly in. And I feel that it's a direct consequence of climate change. Mm. We, we're, we're messing with our, with our climate in ways that I don't think we're even aware of. But they're, they're already starting to have a tremendous effect. And, and as a playwright, do you feel, do you feel that it's not a question of a responsibility to reflect the world. It's a question of it's an organic necessity that that you are responding to the world as you are experiencing it. Is something in there? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I do feel that. I do feel that it, there's, and, and and therefore the responsibility becomes really kind of palpable and moves to the to the to the front. Yeah. Before it was just sort of. Part of the environment, part of the environment of, of, of writing, it would be in the background. It'd be sort of the backdrop, but now it's all moving to the fore, much more to the fore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, space is very geography where you write is very very important. I also, in, you know, in spite of the fact that I also have that studio, I also 
still kind of, I'm drawn to the cafes. Yes. <laughs> we just go out there. And it's not because we're kind of, you know, uh, hoping somebody will notice and go, oh, are you a writer? <laughs> <laughs> what are you writing? May I interrupt you so <laughs> yeah. free you from having to write for five minutes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, but to have that interaction, to feel the uh, people around us. Be a part of an a part of ecosystem, a human ecosystem. Yeah. It just means that, that we have to work a little harder uh, to kind of create that, that cone of silence yeah. around Yeah, us. it's like the obstacle yeah. makes your focus all the more powerful. Yeah, yeah. It, it really sharpens it. Yeah. Whereas in, when I'm at home and I have my office, the I'm like going like, I, I go, what am I going to do? I have to write, but oh, let me put a record on first. Let me put a record on, or let me, let me check my email. Or, you know, we, we create these work resistances mm -hmm. uh, to, to, to keep us from writing. In a cafe, in that kind of environment, uh, there are so many resi resistances around us already that you just want to yeah, zone yeah, in, yeah, focus yeah. in. Yeah. So, so I, I want to be, I've meant to start with this and I'll just mention it that after we talk for a while, um, we would, we're going to invite questions from you all. So in the back of your mind, anything we're saying or anything you'd like to ask Octavio, you know, you can start to think about that for a little later. Um, so I feel like there's a segue here into another question I wanted to ask you because uh, your book, feels obviously is very deeply rooted in place. And it's not even one of the places you just mentioned, it's the place of your childhood. And I'm curious about uh, how the process of writing plays and writing uh, these memoir pieces, how, what, the difference, what the difference of process was for you in the, the experience of writing them, the, uh, the approach that you took, the way it, 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 it uh, processed through you. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm an innately collaborative person. I write a play, part of, part of our lives is solitary as writers. Mm -hmm. Like a novelist, like a poet, like someone who writes short fiction, half of our lives is by necessity solitary, very lonely. Yeah. And then half of it is extremely social. Once that play's done, you bring it to a cast, there's a community there of other people. And uh, as a writer for the stage, I've learned that you have to be prepared to have a lot of fingerprints all over that play. It's gonna happen. Yeah. That's what collaboration is. Yeah. You better be ready to <laughs> hear a director's uh, ideas about your work, to hear actors interpret your work and have their own ideas. And, and, and designers. And designers. Yeah. And you know what, that's what it's about. They enhance it. It doesn't exist on its own. It's simply a blueprint, um, a beautiful blueprint, but it's gonna change. A, a play has to be porous in that way. And I've done that for so many years. Uh, but at some point, I, I just felt I, I had hit a brick wall and I couldn't, write on, uh, I couldn't write this play. And in the middle of the night, I just started writing these little stories just for myself because I felt that they were so surreal, these moments, these memories, that I thought if I keep just thinking about them year after year after year, I'm just gonna think they never happened and that maybe I dreamt them. Yeah. So I said, write them down, write them down. But they were for me, not for a, a theater company that commissioned them, not for a, a director that, is, that I'm working with closely, they were not for a specific actor, yeah. uh, n not for public consumption, not because I owe them uh, to, to a theater because they gave me money, but just for me. Uh, and so there's something really special about that secret <laughs> literature yeah. 
that's almost like a diary, like a journal um, that I could then just quietly shelve away and think about and then write it, return to later on. It, it really fed me. It really fed my soul. Um, and then once I started building a, a, a collection of that, it was it just naturally happened that I knew people in the literary world that said, you know, have you thought about this? This, this could be a book. And I thought, hmm, well, maybe. <laughs> and uh, an editor at City Lights Book said, when you're ready, when you have enough of them, send them to me, and then we'll talk. Maybe, maybe there's something here. And I did. And uh, the editor, Elaine Katzenberger, came to me afterwards and said, these are beautiful. Uh, let me work with you to craft them, to edit them, and uh, put them in a kind of order, and, uh, and then we'll talk. And write me an introduction. And I wrote the introduction, which gets quoted a lot, oddly enough, in, in the reviews. Uh, well, you did some of their work for them. I did. <laughs> they yeah. loved that. I know, I know. I did. Um, and, and, and then it, it happened. And that's when I realized something's very different about that process now. Between, I, could, I could sense it immediately. I had one, one voice, one collaborator, my editor. Yeah. And then that was it. You know, I would ask people, I'd send them to some people and say, what do you think of this story, what do you think of that? Um, my first person, I guess, I, editor, I guess, would be my wife. And she'd say, well, these are good. These are good. This is good. Um, I, I'd send them to some other writers and editors, and, and they would send me notes on it or make comments and say either, yeah, you know, two thumbs up, or offer a comment or two about, like, where to cut, what, you know, what to shape. But, large, but, but that was very different than actually sending it, uh, I mean, working directly with a dramaturg and a director and actors, yeah. and very different. So I felt like I had more control of my message uh, than I do in, 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 in the theater. Well, and also I realize now that in a sense, it did come full circle into a kind of theatricality because you recorded the audible version. He recorded the audible version that's available on Amazon. <laughs> but, 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 also but so you, were, you became the actor, but, that, but again, it was purely your voice. Yeah, but, but here's the other thing, is that as soon as I did it, I, I felt like, oh, that's a real threshold for a playwright to do this. And then I discover that uh, my friend Sherry Moraga has a beautiful memoir called Native Tongues of the Heart that just got released. She's doing it too. Uh, she's a playwright. Uh, Sarah Rule wrote a book about her relationship with Max, uh, oh, help me, uh, uh, one of her students who's a marvelous poet, oh. Rivoli. Uh, uh, and uh, and Carol Lee, uh, yeah, wrote her book. A lot yes. of a lot of playwrights. Yes, Carol Lee with, yeah. with her uh, <laughs> young adult book that was uh, I have and is I started reading. And so it's there's marvelous. a there's a there's sort of an impulse for playwrights to occasionally like we just want to seize the means of production. Yeah, <laughs> and and I think I wanted to do that for a long time, but I I never felt permission because I felt I was never trained enough. I was trained in the theater. But I never took a fiction writing course. Never mm -hmm. took a poetry. Well, that's why course. you're good, because they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> what? They didn't Explain flatten that. you down through <laughs> the process of teaching you how to write. <laughs> uh, so it, it was. I felt a little embarrassed, uh, mm -hmm. and, and I felt like, boy, I'm at the mercy of of Elise. He's probably going to shoot me down on this. And she said, No, this is really well crafted. And oh. and then I, I, I sent it embarrassingly to, with a lot of you know, um, embarrassment to some. Uh, writers I respect who I've read and they wrote the nicest blurbs <laughs> for me and and uh, and uh, and have said come read at my bookstore when you come to my university I want you to read from here so I 
I felt validated in that way. And also I felt encouraged to do more. And I want to do more. Do you, do you feel, because this was, a, this was memoir, even though you acknowledge there's a certain, in, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Inexactitude of memory, so yeah, that you acknowledge an yeah. element of fiction, but it's, but it's memoir-driven, it's memory-driven. Yes, the, the fifth of them are, are real, they're real yeah. memories. Um, but I, uh, what, what I couldn't remember, I allowed myself to make up. There you go. <laughs> I, just, I just lied. But is, did you feel that? <laughs> <laughs> lie. Art is the lie that tells the truth, yeah. someone once said. Um, I don't remember who. It was you. That was me. I said it. <laughs> You're here. <laughs> uh, but, oh, shoot, now I forgot my segue. But, uh, um, oh, I'm wondering if this is leading, to if you're, if you're feeling a, a further impulse to go even deeper into fiction. Yes. Because ah. I, I, I have a an, an, uh, whole range of short stories about this guy named Raimundo, or, or as he's known as, as Mundo, and I've written three of them, and they've gotten published in journals. And I feel like, oh, there are many Mundo stories out there that I still have to, that are calling me. Uh, and I feel like there's another collection of short fiction that is purely fiction, uh, that, that is maybe 10 to 12 stories that I, that I want to compile. But I've got three already published, and I've got those. Um, and, uh, and I was doing those at the same time that I was writing Retablos quietly on the side. Uh, so I have more of that. And, and, and there's a novel that I'm sort of like thinking of crafting. I tried writing it as a play and it didn't work. Um, so now I'm thinking of it as a kind of Well, that's a great novel. advantage of having uh, having these different strings to your bow because there are ideas that 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 want to be plays and there are ideas that want to be books. And yeah, you yeah. Just and follow them where they need to go. And I've tried writing poetry and I've had some poetry published, but boy, is it bad. <laughs> oh, man, it stinks. It, it, especially because I have such high regard for poets and poetry and I, 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 I love it, and I read as much of it as I can. I submit to so many journals, from the Paris Review, to Ziziva, to Catamaran, out of Santa Cruz, um, so, so many of them. Uh, it's so, a very so rigorous form. It's right? a really rigorous form, and, 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 the, and, and the range of, of, of what poetry can do, the range of styles is, is, is so varied. Mm -hmm. uh, but boy, you have to, it's, they're so good, and I just, I, I don't know how they do it. Mm -hmm. I thought they did, and I don't, and because I, I tried it, and it's like, no, it's, it's like I don't have the, the right fingers for it. Mm -hmm. It's a complete it mystery work. to me. I, I, poets to me are like magical beings. It's, it's they a, are. I don't, yeah, I don't know how they do that. They <laughs> are. They are. They're really, really special. Um, but, uh, but fiction somehow seems like, because it's narrative-driven. Yeah. And, and character-driven. Yeah, character-driven. I find that that's what, that was my way in with the retablos, is I, uh, I thought of them as each of those stories as, as extended monologues. I wrote it from, from a voice of a character yeah. who knew what he was talking about uh, or didn't know what he was talking about, but would talk. And I wrote it in, in the voice of that. That was my entry into right, that. Right. So all of the stories in the retablos are first person, and they're written in the present tense. Not in the past tense, but in the present tense, which I find uh, really helpful for me because that's how plays are. Exactly. Right. Ex <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the present tense and the voice of the character, so that makes it really clear how easily you are able to to move into that world. But because it, these are things that took place in the past, it gives it a kind of 
dreamlike quality. Yeah. Like I do this, and then now I look here, and then I do this. It's like we're walking through the memory again, and and, and it gives everything a very different cast. So it doesn't feel um, like back in the past. Yeah, I used yeah. to do this, yeah. and this is yeah. what happened to me. Yeah. I experience it all over again. Uh, so I go from ignorance to some kind of knowledge yeah. in the process of the story, of each okay. of these stories. And you know, again, probably if you had studied uh, writing, if you studied that kind of writing, if you studied fiction, they would have said, "Well, you, you can't do that." You know what I mean? There are probably yeah. rules against that. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm so sure. yeah, so you're I'm so sure. better off. Yeah. Um, I'm also, you know, talking about what led you from playwriting into this work, the the memoir stories, and into fiction, I'm curious about what led you into playwriting in the first place because you began as an actor. Well, how did you get started? <laughs> how did yeah. you get started? <laughs> I'll tell you if you tell me. All right. Uh, well, similarly, I, you know, as many uh, theater people do, I fell in love with acting in high school and uh, became very passionate about that. I think and you were good. I think you were a good actor. I, I, I feel as though I was amazing, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> there's no proof, so I didn't know. Uh, what was your first role? I, at 16, 17, no, I think I was still 16, I played the lead in uh, Neil Simon's uh, rare drama, The Gingerbread Lady, so in high school I was playing a, a 40-year-old alcoholic, <laughs> and my boyfriend was played by my science teacher. Oh. <laughs> that was a different era. <laughs> Nobody seemed to find anything weird about that. <laughs> so somehow I pulled that off. <laughs> I just, the pictures are hilarious. Um, but yeah, and then I well, so I went to I went to study acting, and I studied. Uh, I went from training as an actor to studying at the experimental theater wing at NYU. And I fell in love with experimental theater and classical theater. Those mm -hmm. are the things that, that I was drawn to. I, 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 you know, I like the size and the theatricality of all of that. Mm -hmm. But in experimental theater, you, you write as a, as a way of creating works. You're, you're writing and you're improvising and you're performing. And I thought I was an actor. And then I, I went out into the world and I did experimental theater and I acted, but I, wasn't, I could start to tell that I was never going to be have a mainstream acting career. Like that wasn't going to work. It was the world mm -hmm. was just saying no to that. And then I, I thought, I have to seize control of my creative process. This is, I was lost in the world. So I wrote a play and the world instantly started saying yes. It got produced right away at a little theater in Tribeca uh, with Edie Falco. Because she was famous. Because she was a member of this little off-off-Broadway theater company, and she picked it up off somebody's desk and said, oh, I want to play that. And that's because I, was an, I had been an actor, and I knew how to write a part that an actor wanted to play. Anyway, and then the door, right? And then the door started to open, and there we go. Yeah. So, so. That's what happened with me, Is too. that what happened to you? Yeah, and it's in, it's in I mean, the moment I read uh, aloud in, in my retablo called... Uh, uh, oh, in high school, yeah. World Goes Away. And, uh, it's beautiful. And it was uh, my experience with, with the diary of Anne Frank. I think I, act, I did one, one play before when I was in elementary school, but we didn't really have lines. We just had to go out and I had to be King Midas. And, uh, and it was <laughs> a situation, <laughs> touching everything would turn to go. Like there'd be a cup here, and then I'd, I'd drop it. And then I pick it up, and it was suddenly gold. <laughs> <laughs> Stage oh, magic. Stage magic. And there was a daughter, and uh, I had a daughter who was just a, a, a little girl that was, and I touch her, and 
instead of uh, freezing like this, which we practiced, she would uh, giggle. <laughs> so I'd touch her again, and she'd giggle more than I'd hit her. And she started crying. And I was like, oh, I was so, it was so cruel. Um, so bad. But then, then I had that experience with uh, the Diary of Anne Frank many years later, and uh, as a sophomore in high school, and I never looked back. I, I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life, I'm going to be an actor. And I studied, I, 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 you know, in, when I graduated, I was BMOC on campus at high school because I'd been in all these plays. One, we went to UIL speech tournament in Texas, to Lubbock, uh, to uh, one act plays as well. And, and, um, and, and I went to uh, college, to University of Trinity, Trinity in San Antonio to study uh, acting. Four years of that, four years of grad school in Dallas at the Dallas Theater Center. And then I went and hit the real world and I couldn't get cast. I couldn't get cast. Uh, but I love poetry and I was bartending at this place, this, this uh, new wave slash punk club uh, where the New Bohemians were always playing. Uh, another Edie, Edie Brickell, ah. uh, was there. And, uh, and uh, they weren't doing anything on Wednesdays. So I said, you know, um, can we, I asked my boss, can I have that stage on Wednesday nights? And, you know, I aim the lights and I'll, I'll take care of everything. Can I do like a, a poetry thing, poetry night there? And he said, sure, but I'm not paying him. I'm not paying him. <laughs> I went, okay. He said, they're going to have an open bar going. And, and <laughs> so <laughs> when I started calling my poets, and, and, and I started with poets I knew who had chapbooks and were published, I said, I, and I paid them out of my pocket because I insist nobody works for free when I'm involved. And, uh, and I said, I'll pay, I'll pay you $20 to come and read um, and, uh, and an open bar. And he said, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it just for the open bar. So I had all these poets lined up, and I would make a calendar. And I had seven events, and, and, and uh, on every, I called it Words on Wednesdays. Two poets with an interlude with a, I, I found a, a new musician, so I'd say, can somebody come play guitar or sing a couple songs? He said, yeah. And, um, and then this, there was a slot open, and I said, well, I should do something. I should try something. Uh, and so I knew actor friends, and I wrote a play, and I thought, I'll write a part for myself <laughs> and invite casting directors and, act, and, and directors to come see me, agents and all that, and you know, they'll see my acting. <laughs> and I'll, I wrote a nice part for myself, <laughs> but it couldn't be that big because I was also directing it. Uh, and we did it. It was a one-time event. And, and because it was called Words on Wednesdays and it was because it was all poetry, I had to write it in verse. I felt I had to write it in verse. So I wrote it in this <laughs> silly doggerel style uh, that used a lot of wordplay and uh, a lot of current references. It was the days of the talking heads, you know. It was, oh, it was a crazy time. I want to go Wonderful back in time, time and see this. Yeah, no, I, 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 I still have those plays. I wrote 10 of them. And they were all about this character named Geometricia, uh, who uh, it was basically stories based on one of my students who would tell me about her dramas at, at home or at, with her boyfriend or the time I talked her down from her LSD trip. And uh, So uh, it was uh, stories about her, but I had a part. And it was to feature me. And then I'd invite all these people. They'd see it, and they'd, they'd go, wow, that was terrific. I said, yeah, what'd you think of my acting? I would tell them. And they'd go, you're, you're OK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. She's great. She's great. He's great. Uh, and, but they say, you know, the writing is really interesting. 
we can't wait for you to write another play. Um, so do another one. I go, really? Okay, okay. And so I would take that their hint and write another one. But I also asked them constantly, what do you think of my acting? I was in all ten of them. And they all said, you're all right. <laughs> and so I started, I kind of got the hint and said, I think, I think I'm a playwright. <laughs> but I thought I could have two strings to my bow yeah. and be an actor. And, and uh, I got an agent, and they sent me on a commercial. Got a few commercials, a few industrials. I started working a little bit as an actor. But I really started getting, I started getting commissions now to like <laughs> plays for local theaters. And I said, yeah. And I, said, I really found my niche there. And I think I remember the day when it all changed for me. And that's, I was fiercely working on this play in the afternoon and my agent called me and said, got your first commercial. Go in there, go audition, you're gonna nail it. I go, really? Like now? He goes, yeah, half an hour, you have to be there. I'm, all right, and I was so annoyed that she was turning me away from my play. But I drove there and said, yeah, okay, I'm an actor, I'm an actor, I have to do this. And I went there and I got there and I looked at it and it was a, Course commercial in Espanol, and it was about Mira, disfrute la course, life, esta música fabrosa. And it was a soccer player kind of commercial. And so I looked at it and I looked at the text and I said, I got this. This is easy. I'll get this. I'm, I got this. But I was still really annoyed. I said, I want to get this done so I can go back to my play. <laughs> and then I looked around and I turned and I saw like 30 other guys who looked exactly like me, except they were buff. <laughs> and, and <laughs> they were really cut, they were really athletic, really handsome, and I was goofy. And, and they were looking at that text like it was holy writ. They were looking at that text like it was Hamlet's soliloquy. And they were <laughs> practicing really hard, and I could tell that they wanted that part more than I did. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is unfair. Uh, if I get this part, it would be unfair to them. And uh, and you know what? They can have it. I didn't audition. I said, they can have it. But I am going to write parts for these young men from now on. That's what I'm going to do. That's my mission, to write parts for these brown young men who, at that time, nobody was writing parts for them. So I said, I'm going to do That's my mission. That's my mission, to get, to get people work in, you know, from my community. Um, and, uh, and that's the big shift. And I never acted again. Um, except one time, uh, much, much, much later. Um, and, uh, but all those acting chops never go away, you know? Yeah, I mean, how, how, because that kind of acting training, acting experience, how that informs your work as a playwright is probably profound. Yeah, well, you know, we know what actors want. Yes. We know what actors need. Uh, we know that we require a kind of completion of, of our art. We don't just want to come in and then just disappear. Um, and so I know, uh, I, I know the kind of thing, the, the words and the roles and the, the kind of actions that actors find kind of meaty and yeah. they want to do this. And, and what, what will drive a character? Yeah, we, we kind of have a sense about that and about how to make them work theatrically. Yes. How to activate them so that they're alive on stage. Uh, and, uh, and, and actors, when they read my plays, go, ooh, okay, I want to do that. That, that's fun. I want to do that. And also, I imagine that because we both came out of um, a th the, 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 the decades of theater that preceded us in America mm -hmm. um, were stories of heroic white men. Yes. 
Yeah. And the part with you as, uh, uh, you know, when you were an actor, when I was in, uh, studying acting and being an actor, and you know, then it was the hunger to find a part that was a real full human being mm -hmm. with, uh, with agency um, was, it, they were thin on the ground. Yeah. And so maybe that also is an element, like you say, you ha having that revelation that you're going to write parts for these guys. Yeah, because, because I didn't there weren't know. parts for them. Me writing parts for women, where they don't, they're not, they're not the woman. Right, and it's, uh, and it it, 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 came about also because there's this huge hole in my education. Uh, I, when I went all through seven years of playwriting classes and play analysis classes, and all the acting classes that we did. It was Arthur Miller, mm. it was, uh, of course, Williams. Tennessee Williams, it was the Greeks, it was Shakespeare, it was Moliere, it was all these, these were mm. the canon, mm. it, you know, it was that. Yeah, uh, which are great. They're wonderful. <laughs> but right in the middle of the 70s, there was somebody named Cesar Chavez who was doing some mm -hmm. remarkable theater in the back of a pickup truck in the fields of California mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and drew the attention of Peter Brook who went out there and started working with him. And I didn't know any of that. That didn't come into our education. Yeah. We didn't know, of, I didn't know about Irene Fornes, Maria Irene Fornes. I didn't had, had no idea who she was. Yeah. And yeah. that never entered into the literature. I never knew about Beth Henley until far, far, yeah. much, much later. Um, and and uh, so, so my, my entree into that world was through the, the iconoclast, um, iconoclast like like Sam Shepard, yeah. and then later Mac Wellman, yeah. Jeffrey Jones, uh, mm. Len Jenkins, Susan Laurie Parks. Those were like, oh wow, I want to be like them. I want to write yeah. like them. And of course, they wouldn't have the impact they have if you hadn't already been steeped in the heroic white man. I, maybe that's not a really fair phrase to use for that, right. but it's overly generalized. But yeah. yeah. Because you have to have an icon to clast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> an icon to clast. Like that. I like that. That works. That works. Um, uh, but you know, I lost the thread. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no I think we both just went. Oh well, you know what? I think what this flows nicely into as well is another, uh, and maybe the last question from from me for now, right. uh, and then we'll take questions from you. Is uh, this sort of a? It's a very broad category, but you know, advice for playwrights, from mm -hmm. playwrights. Advice to um, people who uh, want to write plays or who are writing plays but perhaps feel they haven't found their community yet or they haven't found their voice yet You know, early, early in the process or people who are uh, other kind of writers and people say, oh, I love theater. I mean, I, 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 we were talking about this at, at breakfast that you know, every playwright mm -hmm. I know has a, a, a uh, you ask them, well, what would you say to a young playwright? <gasps> they have so much to say because uh, we've, we went through our own wilderness and we want to help uh, lead other people through the wilderness. So I've, I'm sure you have some thoughts. Well, last night I sat um, watching this remarkable reading of this remarkable play. Oh, can we just say about uh, that for a minute? The I reading last night, uh, Carolee's? Carolee's uh, Christmas work was just um, astonishing. It was astonishing. Oh, it was extraordinary. Uh, uh, and terrific acting of any of the actors you hear as well. And, and, and it was just the milk for my soul that I needed. It was just, mm. it was just fantastic. And, and so I congratulate her and I congratulate um, and the Chuma and Hannah and the director for like even making this possible. Last night was miraculous. 
But I sat next to a young man who I'd seen before, who seemed kind of lonely and was not part of the group here. He, he's a resident, lives in this area. Sat by him, and uh, and he was very nervous. He, I think he knew who I was, but he seemed really <laughs> nervous. And at the end, you know, he asked me to sign his program, and uh, he asked me for advice. He said, what would you recommend if I want to write a play in Mexico? I said, well, you know, find your community. I said, find the people that want to do new work. Find those who start to who, who are willing to read your work and are uh, want to find a way to, to, to stage it, to put it up, give it a shot, give it some air. Um, but if you don't find it, do it yourself. Just do it. That's what I did. I was working as a bartender for crying out loud in a punk bar. <laughs> and I said, there's an empty stage there. There's a ready-made audience here that will stray in. You know, I'll, I don't care. I'll just, I'll spend my own money. And I'll find my friends, and I'll get them, and I'll cast them. I'll write the play. I'll do all the work. I'll make all the investment. But just, it, and, and learn to make your own mistakes. That's, I was making all kinds of mistakes. I didn't know what I was doing. But by, make, by not knowing what I was doing, I was doing something radical. And I didn't even know I was doing something radical yeah, with yeah, these works yeah. that started drawing the attention of people and they were coming. Uh, I remember when I did, did the first one, I, I started with a title, yeah. a, a Life in a Tear Duct. And I had no idea what the heck that meant. <laughs> I, I, said, I, I made the title up because I had to make the, pro, the, the program and send the press release. So I said, uh, six play, uh, what is it? Life in a Tear Duct, starring Gio Matricia. And I had no idea what I was gonna do. And I had to write the play yeah. based on the title. Um, <laughs> but I started making those my mistakes and learning from them, and learning that sometimes the mistakes are the forte. Uh, yes. they're, they're, they're the things that make you you. So I uh, think I think I think it might have been Artaud who said no. It was some of the Frenchmen, Genet, uh, who said uh, what what the critics <coughs> hate about your work. That's your strength. Yeah. That's what yeah. makes you unique. Go go toward that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so own that. Realize that, discover that, what, 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 um, and and then and then build on that, build on that. So that's that that's one thing. Another thing is is go where you're going to be uh, supported. Find find that community. We need we need. I needed so much. I, I needed to find the writing community and and the the kind of supportive uh, literary program in a theater that wanted to give me a leg up, and I couldn't find it in Dallas after a time. There were garage theaters that were willing to do my work, but they weren't paying me. Mm. Um, the, the payment was, you get to do your work. Yeah. <laughs> you get to be the play. But there I was also selling the tickets, cleaning the toilets before the show, <laughs> keeping the stage, yeah. doing all that. Which is a great experience. Great, man. Talk about humbling. <laughs> yeah. you, just don't, you don't get to sit on your laurels. Uh, and then you're, you're busting your chops, putting mailers on people's windows, telling them to come Before the, the internet. Show. Yeah, the way before the internet. <laughs> Uh, and there's some, so something to be said for actually doing that physical kind of work, putting your ch -ch 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 posters on on uh, on, um, on telephone. Yeah, we used to go around with the wheat paste. Yeah, and put the posters. <laughs> on. Yeah. We use staple guns, you know. <laughs> uh, and uh, but um, but I wasn't getting paid, and I felt I didn't wasn't being honored, and I felt a ceiling. Yeah. But there. There was this vibe that was saying, "Come west, young man." <laughs> so I, I I went, and and I and I don't know who had done it, but somebody sent my work um, without my permission 
these plays and applied for me in my name, forged my signature to both Irene Fornes' workshop, uh, Hispanic Playwright Workshop at INTAR and to the Hispanic Play Project in uh, Tufts Repertory. And I got in both. And wow. I remember Irene calling me and saying, well, are, are, are you coming? We're gonna be starting very soon. I what? She says, yeah, you've been accepting to the program. Uh, did you hear? I said, no. Did I apply? Did I apply? She says, yes, and you got in. So come. I went, oh, okay. So uh, I had to find housing and, you know, a rough, uh, rough for a while, staying in NYU dorm rooms with colleagues, um, and, and then studied with her. And then, but I really found my community at the Hispanic Playwrights Workshop. Well, both of them, really, because they're both Latino writers. And I didn't know there was a community of Latino writers. I didn't know there was other people like me. And that we had similar stories to tell. And that there was a variety of experiences that we were all drawing from. And then I said, okay, this is where I belong. This is, these are my communities. And it helped us create a network where there wasn't one before that still exists today. So. Um, you were part of a movement. We were part of a, we really were part of a movement. Uh, and, and, and now we're the seniors. But there's other generations that are coming up, a new generation of writers that are coming up, and boy, I, I support them 100%. I wanna help them, give them the leg up they need wherever I can, and, and uh, hail their names to, yeah. to the masses so they can be discovered and, um, and not have to go through the travails that I did, that yeah. we did. Because yeah. it was hard for you too, right? Well, I mean, I did, uh, but like you, I found my community, and that is what, uh, that is the core of it. I, 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 a student once asked me, I was just visiting, I, he wasn't my student, but he asked, basically the core of his question is, how do you, be, how do you uh, become a playwright if you don't like people? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every, all, everybody else, in the, all those students knew him and they were all going, this guy again. But I mean, apparently he's a pretty antisocial. And I was like, you, you know, I think maybe you have to go somewhere else yeah. and do a different kind of writing. Yeah. Uh, you you have to you know it's a, it's a it's a it's a it's a human rich <laughs> area and you oh, have definitely. to like the other humans. Not only that, <laughs> when you're writing your play, you have to fall in love with all your characters. Exactly, and then you all have to fall in love them. with the actors who are going to give them back to you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it makes no but, sense. But I, and also, a lot of young people will will uh, their questions about how to enter the theater are are uh, sort of built around how do I get. How do I work with these famous people? How do I work with this, you know, big theater? How do I go? How do I reach the heights? And and the answer is work with your peers, yeah. so you can make your own mistakes. Yeah. So you can find your own voice. Yeah. And also because it's more fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and find a way to do it cheap or free because even though real estate is insane in the whole country, but there's still there are ways, you know. Yeah, I, when when we did Lydia ten, maybe eleven years ago at the Denver Center, uh, my uh, director, who might, she might be here, Julia Cavillo, she's an incredible director. Um, uh, she uh, dir directed that production and one of our actors has since gone on. And I thought she was remarkable then, but she, nobody knew her, nobody knew her. And her name was Stephanie Beatrice. Ah. And she was in uh, yeah. Lydia and now she's in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. And oh has an exploding career, she's in Hollywood. And, and she's yeah. an actress like, uh, of that stature. Yeah. But uh, it didn't matter who she was. She was just a really good actor at the yeah. time. Yeah. Nothing famous about her, uh, as your experience with Edie Falco was. Yeah. You were just working she was with fantastic. your peers. Exactly. She was just there. Yeah. Um, and that's what I like, is, is, is uh, 
uh, a place where we can all just, you know, get our elbows, roll our sleeves up to the elbows yeah. and get our hands And we still together. want that. You always want, want that. that. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's really also why I, uh, I insist on being in the room as a playwright. I don't want to be relegated to like, you know, we're going to have a rehearsal now, you can leave. I want to be in the room because that's why I became a playwright, is yeah. to mix yeah. it up with actors. I love actors. I love their process. I love being in the room for when, the, when, when things happen. When an actor turns to me and goes, I don't get this line. Help me, help me understand this moment. Yeah. And, and if I can't help him, I go, well, what, what do you think you should say? <laughs> well, I think I need to say something like this. And I go, OK, OK. Say, <laughs> say, that, say that for now. Say that for now. <laughs> or what I love is when they, actu they accidentally say it wrong. And I'm like, yeah, that's better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for rewriting my text. And they, al they always say, I want a credit. I want a credit. And they don't get it. They don't get it. Never. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> I, I think this is this is a good moment to take some questions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. In reading your book, Octavio, I'm, I'm, you, you love words, obviously, but you have this visual sense, um, very striking. It was very apparent when you read out loud the other night, and I'm just wondering if if you if your bucket list includes working in film, and if you want to find the right collaborator who will be able, because it's a director's medium, and, and someone, or if it's already happened, or I'm not as familiar with your biography as I should, I don't even know if you've written a screenplay or had one produced, but is it is it part of your, as I say, like a bucket list, is it up there? Probably, yeah, I think it would be nice. I, 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 I uh, um, it is a much more visual medium than, 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 than any other uh, television is that way. Actually, television is actually um, more like a play. There's more talk in, in, in TV, and, and and because there are more playwrights working in, in TV now, we've entered the golden age of television. Yes, we're really in a fantastic no place with 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 television, and, um, and we're all junkies. We're all streaming all these <laughs> incredible series. It's and there's such richness. It's, it's everywhere. It's, it's, it's impossible to keep up. Everybody has their own favorite series. Uh, but I've always liked film. I've always loved film. I'm a student of film. Um, and, uh, and I had dreamed of, of doing that at some point. Um, this I, I just like audiences. I like live audiences. I've been drawn to that. And, uh, and I feel like I'm making movies on stage in, in my own way. Um, so, so far, it's, it's, it's become what's available. I tried. I went and did all the interviewing and talking with people at 20th Century Fox and Disney, um, Amblin Entertainment, all those, and it never quite worked out. And I think it's because I'm so verbally oriented, and often what happens when, they, when people want to take a script of mine, like somebody wanted to do Santos and Santos, for instance, as, as a film, and there's this one section called The Day of Wax, about the assassination of a judge, and uh, and I and I and the way I wrote it felt really literary. But everybody tells me it's so cinematic. It's that writing is so cinematic. And I, okay, but the first thing that happened when a director looked at it said, "We're going to have to change, cut all those words, and do them in terms of images." And I thought, "Oh wow!" So that's it's not the play. It's not so. It, it that that's a necessary. Translation is you'd have to lose all that language and do it only visually. 
And uh, so, so, um, so I decided, no, I'm, I'm going to hold on to this. I think I'm just going to hold on to this because I like it. I, I like I like when audiences themselves create the picture. That's the thing about about uh, the writing that, that that we do, the kind of writing we do, is that we only present part of the image. You finish. The audience yeah. completes the picture. We ask the audience to fill in all the other details and make them work. In in film, they do all the work, and we just receive it. We just receive it. I like in this. I, I like the audience to watch an audience in a play because they're always doing this. <laughs> like that. They're always doing this. That character and then the heart with the other reaction. What what's going on back there? Like this. In in in, in this if you go to a cinema, they're like this. They're like this. Because the editing of the director tells you where to look. Well you don't have to even yeah. You don't even there's no even where to look. It's just there. Yeah. <laughs> You're always looking. So yeah, it's all controlled really by the camera. Um, also, the other thing is that in in uh, in film, uh, you could get up and go to the bathroom or get popcorn and come back and sit down, and it hasn't affected the picture at all. <laughs> Nobody stopped the film. <laughs> the actors didn't go. Hey, where, where's he going? Where's he going? And you do that in the theater. Actors are gonna feel it. They're gonna feel it and go. Uh oh. We're losing them. They're shifting. <laughs> they're shifting around in their the chairs. They're you know? coughing. They're coughing. Uh-oh. They come off stage and go, man, tough crowd. We got to really, they're so quiet. They're so quiet. They're not listening or they're asleep out there. And, um, and then you find out when you get the rousing applause that, is that they were really listening. They were just really listening. Uh, that doesn't happen in, in, in cinema. It's a, it's, it's a darkened uh, dark space where everyone has their own private experience. Uh, and it's uh, and, and but it doesn't. The audience doesn't change the film. The the the, the film changes the audience. In in the theater, that is a continuing exchange. Happens nightly. The audience is a collaborator. Yeah, yeah they are. It's exactly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> succinctly put. Succinctly put. But I love that. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's, I think, why it sort of stay in, in the theater. I have to admit, I don't know your plays, but there are a lot of plays that are available out at the inn. Do you have any recommendations for those of us just getting introduced to your work, or maybe the, the top two or three plays that you would suggest we view? I know I that's, know. An unfair that's an unfair question. You know. I mean, they, they, they run the gamut from like early, early career work to much later career work. And even, I think of a play like Lydia, which I feel represents me well now, but I wrote that 10 years ago, had it produced 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And uh, um, Mother Road isn't out yet, but you know, hop a plane, go to Oregon, and go see it at Oregon Shakes really right now. That's running, it's running there now. Um, uh, and that's very different from Lydia. Probably has more in common in terms of, in terms of its narrative style with, uh, with Santos and Santos, which is an early play of mine in from like 90, 93, Not 1993, uh, I'm old. Um, <laughs> yeah, I you know, maybe those Santos and Santos and Lydia just to get a variety from two very different Thank periods of my life. And then there's the more intimate, more experimental work of Seyama Cristina, <coughs> which um, the Magic Theater produced an, just a, it's one of my more, more, more recent plays uh, and more recently published work. 
and that was also an in, at, at Intel in New York, uh, which is wonderful because that's where I started really was studying with uh, Mary Irene Cornish. Uh, so I went full circle with that, and th and that's much more intimate work about um, about the terrors of of the night terrors of of a parent having a child. And I tried writing it when my daughter was born, when I was scared that I'd be a horrible father, and uh, I couldn't. I couldn't write it. I started it many times, and I couldn't write it. Um, and it's really because I just uh, was in the middle of it. In the middle, I couldn't. So I, I came back to it when I, when she turned out okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fifteen, sixteen years old, and she's and you fine. You did too. I, you turned out okay. Uh, apparently, <laughs> <laughs> apparently so. Okay. Doctor. I'm wondering if you could talk about the role of dramaturgy and or dramaturgs in the development of your work. Yeah. What do you think? Well, you know, <laughs> I, I uh, of course, have a great deal of respect and love for dramaturgs. I haven't had, uh, I haven't worked closely with dramaturgs in a way that has uh, been fruitful. And I think I haven't had the f good fortune to f find the right dramaturg for the right process. So I don't have a lot to say about that. I don't normally yeah. work with a dramaturg myself yeah. uh, because I, j I just haven't had that. And also, to be honest, I started out figuring out how to write plays on my own, and I like figuring things out for myself, and I'm, I'm arrogant enough to enjoy <laughs> figuring things out for myself, and I don't really want a partner at that stage. Uh, I, don't, I, I need the privacy of my own brain. Yeah. I, don't, I don't talk about my work until it, the first draft is finished. Uh, so, so then it's usually more at a production level, and then it's helping the production come together. Yeah. Um, and it can be very useful to have that other voice. But yeah. what is your experience? They're well, probably very different. Well, yeah, I, I think I, I started working on my own, not knowing what I was doing. And then when I went to work at South Coast Rep, and they started producing my work, they're a machine. They're a new play machine. So they, they give you, uh, yeah. And they have a battery of, of <laughs> dramaturgs and literary <laughs> managers there, ready and uh, armed to help you, and uh, uh, and I had some good ones. I had John Gore was a very good one, and then more recently, Kimberly Coburn has been fantastic with me. Uh, but they're just they're just sort of nudging my my impulses in in the direction more purely in the direction that, that I want to take it. They're not trying to tell me where where my place should be, where it should go. They're not telling me how to write it. They're just making me aware of choices that I'm making. And do you really want to go there? Do you really want to go in that direction? Um, do you know what you're doing by doing this? And, uh, and when they make me aware of those choices, then I can. it's up to me to decide that, yes, that's it. Or, hmm, no, maybe, yeah. maybe I need to think about that. Um, but I have found that I, I uh, work closely with the directors those are the real dramaturgs. Yes. The yes. directors have become the real dramaturgs. They're inside the work in a way that nobody else yeah, can be. Yeah. And so I lean into my directors a lot. And, and a uh, good director is a, a brilliant dramaturg. Yeah. Yeah. They don't even, just even if they don't self-identify. Yeah. That way. Yeah. What What's good about having both of them in the room is at some point when in the direct in in the directing process. The director has got to work with the actors. Just get the play up, get the lighting, get them in. Yeah. And they're not asking the questions anymore of the play. Um, 
And then the dramaturg can be the one going like, okay, I'm here for you. What do you need? Yeah, yeah. That um, sounds good. You know, and, and can make me aware of like, you know, Octavio, that seems running maybe a maybe 30 seconds too long. Don't you feel it? Don't you feel it? Can you, is there any way, any internal cuts? And I go, probably could. I probably could. And, you know, um, but um, that's when a, a, a dramaturg is really most valuable to me, when the director has to turn his attention fully to staging the work. Yeah. I tried doing both. I tried being both a director and a writer of my own work. Uh, that's how I started out. And that's how they wanted it at Intersection for the Arts in San Francisco, where I worked with, uh, where I worked with the company for a long time, and uh, and I enjoy that process because I know when you know I I come in directing the play, thinking it's done, and and then if I, if I run into a problem, I I'd, I'd say okay, well it's an actor problem first. Let's solve, get the actor to get the right frame of mind, understand what the scene's about. And then secondly, if the problem persisted, that's a directing problem. Uh, I'm not doing something right. If the lights aren't right in the scene or something, or it's paced differently, I need to work on this as a director. So I'd still have my director hat on. And if the problem still persisted, I'd go, okay, it's a, it's a writing problem. And I put on my <laughs> writing cap, go away, and try to fix it. Um, but that started getting very, very hard for me. And that's when I started, started to feel like, you know, I really, uh, I, I think it's starting, there's so many directors that want to do my work now and are commissioning me uh, to write plays for them that I think I need to uh, fully commit to being a, a being a, only a playwright. Uh, and I'll direct the second or third production of the play if it, if it comes to that. Because I love, I still enjoy directing. And you know, that's a little bit, that's uh, somewhat more unusual than other you know, there are a lot of, uh, Allison and I were talking about this yesterday, there are a lot of playwrights who are also actors or who started out as actors, and there are playwrights who direct their own work, but it's not as common. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, and this brings me to something in terms of what I was just describing before. Uh, one of the late discoveries I made is that not everything can be fixed in a production by writing. Not everything can be fixed, and often that's where people turn to right away, like, Something's not working up there. Octavio, <laughs> something in the writing isn't working. And you know, uh, it's not often that way. Yeah, well, um, and, and that's the another reason for it to be in, in rehearsal because you can say, you know, to the director and the actors, do your utmost to make it work. If you, uh, you guys are great, if you can't make it work, then it's the writing. Yeah. But, but take your best shot at it first so because yeah. that's the only way I can see what it means. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And they'll often come up with a more interesting solution, the more uh, uh, connected solution yeah. that involves everybody in the room. Yeah. And, you, and that's when you feel like, oh, I've got the most brilliant minds in this room working yeah. on perhaps and this they saved you. one moment. They saved me <laughs> from, uh, from fixing it, you know? Because yeah. uh, sometimes in fixing it on the fly, you mess it up. Yeah. You know, you you're not in the same yeah. brain as you were when you wrote it. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's true. Oh, hi. I was hearing you speak about your work. Um, it, it, so much of it you're speaking from what personal impulse impels you at a certain point in time and many different influences. Uh, can you, uh, I'm curious uh, whether, uh, if you can also bring in how uh, larger societal cultural influences have affected your work uh, in terms of uh, the Latino voice coming more vividly into American culture or the political situation or, or, but 
Yes. Now, how does the larger context factor in, or does it not? Well, I, I always did told myself, and I told, I told people, I'm not a political writer. I'm writing about social situations and relationships, and I write about the, the core issues of love and death, love and death, love and death, all that. But I'm fooling myself. Because I, because everyone says, yeah, you say you're, you say you're not a political, but you just made a political statement here, <laughs> and here, and here in this play, and they're potent, and and uh, own it, and they're right, and it's taken me a while to realize that, but as, and especially uh, writing as I have as I have done uh, about the Latino experience in this country, uh, it. The, the situation in, in our country over the last 10 years regarding the border and immigration have really uh, amped up my, uh, well, have really, uh, they raised my dander. They, they really have, uh, they've made me angry and, and have made my work far more political and more ostensibly political than, than, than I had ever thought I'd, I'd ever go. But I feel like this is the time to take a stand. I can't not say the truth about this and, and, and gloss it in any way. I ha we have to speak. We've got to speak out right now. And uh, because it, the situation has is, is become so urgent and has gotten so uh, egregious. The, the, the things that have happened have been, the, the crimes have been so egregious that we've got to speak out. Uh, I, I, in, in the introduction to my book, I wrote that, you know, this situation on the border, the shit on the border has never changed. It's always been the same. Ever since I remember growing up as a child, and I grew up, you know, less than half a mile from the Rio Grande, uh, people have always wanted to come here, and there have been people that have always wanted to give them back. And I, that's sort of, that, and it's worked the other way around, too. Um, but actually, that, that's false. It's gotten worse because now they're caging children, and now children are disappearing. Now children are dying in custody. Families are being separated. Um, people who come over as as refugees are being put in prison, are being jailed without a trial, without due process. Um, and I just feel like <coughs> we we've got to speak out about that. We've got to got to take a stand on that. And it's incumbent on me as as a voice. Uh, uh, with a with a platform um, to to make <coughs> my my uh, op opinions my voice heard and to draw the spotlight on that. But early on, when I was when I was writing my, my plays, uh, th these plays I was doing in the punk club, I because I hadn't seen other people like me. Uh, maybe one other actor or two might be of color uh, in, in in San Antonio. Uh, which is remarkable because it's a largely Latino city. Uh, um, I, all my characters were white. And, and even my character, I, I played a character named Rigor Morgan, a uh, continuing <laughs> character named Rigor Morgan, uh, who was not a symbol for death, but a, I, 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 said, I kept saying I was a symbol for the microwave oven. And I don't know what that meant, but <laughs> I had no idea what that meant. But, but they were charming plays that, that drew the attention of people, and everybody wanted me to continue writing those. I wrote 10 of them over a period of a year, doing them in these clubs, in this club. 
and 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 it kind of made my name in Dallas for a while, and and uh, people wanted me to continue writing those. But then I got a call from uh, Cora Cardona, who runs a company called Teatro Dallas, and I said, Teatro? What? Teatro? Mm-hmm. And she said, write me a play, and I met her, and and and, and she showed me her company and, and a play they were doing, and I was like, what? Other actors that look like me in a play where they're doing stories about my culture? And she's asking me to write a play about uh, the, the Mexican community in, in, in Del- a Day of the Dead play uh, about Don Juan, and, and was very strict about those parameters. I went, oh, oh okay. No one's ever had ever asked me to do that before. I didn't know that that community even existed. So when I did it, I said, oh, oh, this is who I am. This is the kind of writer I am. This is what I need to, now I understand why I have to be a writer, why I have to be a playwright. And I've never looked back. I, I've continued in, in that and uh, providing a, a perspectives on what it means to be uh, uh, a Latinx writer, a, a Latinx person working and living in this country today. And how and and all the uh, vagaries of that of that experience, um, the pitfalls, and, and um, so. But the situation today has just made it m- far more political than than I thought I'd ever be. But uh, it's because I think the times call for it. Hi. All my canon, for sure, but you know, <laughs> but no, but I want to really actually uh, bring attention to the right to, to my colleagues, the works of my colleagues. Diana Borbano is one. Jose Cruz Gonzalez, who actually worked uh, in theater for youth, has has a, an amazing work. He's also the person to whom I owe my career, because he's he started uh, and and headed these Hispanic playwrights projects at South Coast Repertory, and and uh, create. Literally from nothing, created this network of writers, directors, and actors, um, and uh, back in the late '80s, uh, and and now he's he's a, he's his own writer with a great voice. American Mariachi is is one of his plays that is on right now. That is that that is, um, uh, I mean, I think a, a, a beautiful work that they will they will, <coughs> it will help them connect to to their culture more. Um, the work, uh, I think Monica Sanchez is, it, she's an actor I worked with for many years in the 90s, who has now uh, found her voice as a writer as well. 
and she's she's writing, uh, I think, really really lovely plays. Um, Georgina Escobar is a writer who is from my hometown of El Paso, <laughs> although I believe she's born in Juarez, right across the border in Juarez, uh, who is, I believe, based in New York, but writes uh, really, really a wonderful plays. I, I think from uh, the, um, the, the gay and lesbian uh, perspective that I think uh, uh, built a tremendous niche in, in uh, our, our culture. And we need more of those works. And she's, she's there. She's, she's doing some terrific work. Georgina Escobar, Monica Sanchez, Ana Urbano, Jose Cruz Gonzalez, and see who else. Uh, we were talking about Jorge Cortina, uh, who was a student of mine, was a poet. And then he took a workshop of mine, and then we discovered he's a playwright, and he's wonderful. And you know, he's like, has a runaway career. And he's, he's, he uh, writes uh, these amazing works about Cuba. But you know, I'm sure, many of them as well, right? Well, you know, there's uh, Enrique Urueta. Is yes. A, uh, also, uh, from a gay perspective, he has yeah. a play called Learn to Be Latina. Yeah. Here, satirical, very yeah. funny. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, hello. <laughs> hello, <laughs> only one that feels. Yeah, Mila Cruz, <laughs> Two Sisters and a Piano, and... Uh, uh, um, Oh, hello, thank you, Karen Zacarias, <laughs> Destiny of Desire. She has a, 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 a riotous play called Destiny of Desire, a tremendous comedy uh, that, uh, that uh, has pointed political satire, but done in the style of a novella, of a, uh, of a, of a Spanish novella, uh, so uh, telenovela. Uh, so it's, uh, she's uh, based out of Washington, D.C., a really remarkable writer. Um, they, they keep coming out. There, there's so many more. There's an it's, a, it's a rich panoply of, of writers that are now part and parcel of the American fabric. This great quilt that we're forming of writers from every culture, every spectrum, every every sphere. And are you uh, are you on new play uh, the new play uh, exchange? So okay. Yeah. Just so you know. An NPN. Yeah. Awesome. An NPN. Uh, but all, you know, I, I just think it's, it's tremendous that part of that panoply is here today, right now in this room with, with uh, Carly Corcoran and Catherine uh, Treachman and, and, and you. I think it's just, uh, it's, I, I'm so honored to be in the company of these tremendous writers. Um, I want to check in on about time because I'm not keeping time. I see you, how are we doing? <laughs> Okay, so one or two more questions. Who's got the burning question? <laughs> Who's like, oh no, they're gonna finish before I get my, ask my question later. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes Anthony, I wonder if you ever had the experience where you had the play set in your mind of how you wanted it to be and what you thought was going, and the characters sort of just intervened and took you in a different direction. Ah. Well, that's how I always write. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, all, that's how I always write. Uh, I, I, I didn't start out that way though. I always had like this idea, and uh, and I had a, and and I, I wrote plays almost like in, like a mental outline about. Uh, I understood how to, uh, you know, have an audience react to a situation and a character, and to drive toward specifically dramatic situations, um, and then I took this workshop with Irene, and uh, say her full name for the 
Maria Irene Fornes, a legend, <laughs> a legend. And uh, part of that process is we would get in a circle and she'd take us through some visualization exercise. Actually, we'd even like to do physical exercise prior to that on this rug, on the floor, uh, doing stretches and breathing <laughs> exercises and like for half an hour. And then she'd get us up and we'd sit in our chair and she'd take us through these meditation and visualization exercises and then get us writing. And uh, and I was always in a, I know what I'm gonna do. This will really, this will really turn people on. And then we'd, uh, I'd write the scene, and then she'd say, okay, let's read. And people would read their scenes, uh, and uh, I'd be like, oh my God, that's remarkable. <laughs> Where the hell did that come from? And, it was, and writer after writer after writer rocked my socks off. And then I'd be read my, I'd go to my scene, I'd read it and thinking, well, this will rock their socks off. And as soon as I read it, it sounded leaden and flat. And, and everybody would listen and go, mm. at the end of it, Irene would say, okay, thank you, next. And then, <laughs> and then we'd, we'd hear from the others and I'd feel like, what happened to my writing? And it went on like this for weeks. It was humiliating. And I was like, well, what's going on? Nobody likes my writing. I don't like my writing. <laughs> and then at some point she said, after I read a scene, she said, who are you trying to impress? Are you trying to impress me? I'm not impressed. Are they impressed? Nobody's impressed. <laughs> <laughs> who do you think, who are you writing for? Why are you writing these, this, this scene? Who are you, why are you trying to impress me? Uh, and she said, well, I, this came from the heart. She said, I don't believe that. I don't believe this came from you. Um, you're manipulating us. You're trying to manipulate us. You're manipulating your characters. Just listen to them. And, and I went, all right, all right. And then the next time we did it, I said, you know, and, and I could have the option of passing. And I, you know, I passed. So for several days I tried and it was like, I'm still doing it. So when it came to my turn, I said, pass, thank you. And I just said, I'm not getting anything out of this workshop. Until finally I said, okay, I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna do this. <laughs> and I saw this face of this woman sitting across from me at a table. Uh, but nobody else, just her. And I said, well, Nobody else appears, so I can't have a scene. I'll interview her. So I saw myself interviewing her, and I wrote this interview down. And I thought it was garbage. I, I didn't have any way to sort of, I couldn't tell what I had. I just thought it was crap. And then I read it aloud in the class, and I said, okay, I'm gonna read this. I read it aloud, and she said, that was very good, that was excellent. Uh, because in the writing, uh, as I was interviewing this lady, uh, this woman, uh, I'd ask her a question and she'd say, she'd turn it around and ask me something back. Or she wouldn't answer it. She'd, she, she'd get sassy. And, <laughs> and, and then I found myself reacting, or the character that was myself, reacting in a very different way uh, in the interview. So something weird was going on. She heard that as I read it and she said, that's very good, that's very good. And I said, are you kidding? <laughs> this is crap. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I've lost my voice. And she said, and when I said that, everybody started applauding. What? I thought this is humiliating. Why, why are you applauding? I lost my She says, good, because now that you maybe now you'll shut up and let your characters talk. Uh, and I went, oh, oh, oh. And just uh, and when and when that happened, I knew. I knew what this class was about. It's about get out of your own way. Get out of the way. 
and just let your characters be. And so I conduct my workshops in that way. I conduct my workshops so that I'm not manipulating the characters. They will always be more interesting and do more fascinating, make more fascinating, more colorful choices, more dangerous choices than anything I could ever make up. And not only that, but I found myself not having to work so hard. <laughs> I'm working so hard to make up these situations when actually all I have to do is relax, see these people, and then let them do what they need to do. And they will always take the more interesting path. They're smarter than we are. Way smarter. <laughs> and, and they're also, you know, they're, uh, they work according to their own mores and their own ethics and their own needs. And they're different than mine. And I can't impose my needs on them. They're going to have to be who they are. And that means they, you know, they have to, they, they make, they, they control the story. And when they control the story, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's just like freedom. Let the reins go. And, and you know, the irony of all that is it's still me. It's still, still the writer. You're putting it down. They're coming from inside of you. And, but uh, you create this illusion. Of, of them controlling the story and uh, and it, it just, I find myself not having to work so hard. <laughs> and not only that, but I lean into the mystery. You, I, I lean into it in a way that makes you go, where am I, are we going to go today? <laughs> where are they gonna take me today? <laughs> and the word mystery connects us to the origins of theater. Yeah. The mysteries. Yes. The Greek and, and pre-Greek, yes. you know, the mysteries. And that is the tradition we are still a part of. And, yeah. and we must, you know, yield ourselves to. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that we're not going to, at some point, feel like we've got to control it. Yes. But then you look at those scenes and they're the ones that need revision. They're the ones where you have to go into there again, dig down and peel away that text and find the real text that's yeah. going on, the real thing that's going on underneath there. That's a fantastic place to to, uh, to be uh, as a as a writer. Does that make any sense? Yes. So we should. That's a beautiful place to end. Thank you so much.